Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Hey, good morning. Hey, my name is Ben Till. I'm one of the elders here at Lighthouse. Uh, I'm so glad to be here with you guys. Usually I'm down at Bluffton, but more recently I've been able to come down here and, and spend some time with you guys here uh, in the house. So it's, it's been good uh, to be back at Lighthouse um, and just be able to share the, the word with you. Last week, uh, we started a new series called Hope United, and we're, we're focused on the book of First Peter. Fritz started that series by really kind of uh, taking a deep dive on salvation, what that, what that means for us, and how we can be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. This week, we're going to continue to explore uh, that book by, by taking a look at the new identity uh, that, we are, uh, that we receive by being born again through faith in Jesus Christ. Before I go any further, let me say welcome to you guys here in the house, to anybody who's uh, joining us online, uh, maybe uh, on vacation this week or at Fostoria or Bluffton. Welcome to uh, Lighthouse and, and Lighthouse Community. We're so glad that you're here. Um, just real quick coaching. Um, we have a pretty packed house in here today, so if there, if there are people that are coming in, um, it may be good to, to kind of scoot towards the middle and just make sure that we've got some room for everybody. Uh, I was telling a couple people in the back, we got to start telling people when I'm coming, you know, because it's like everybody's here, and you know, if they, if they come and uh, they're expecting Fritz, uh, you know, <laughs> sorry, uh, I've, got, I've got a better beard, I guess, now. He's like shaving his off, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's super exciting to see a full house of people. We're getting back into the season where everybody's kind of coming off of uh, 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 vacations and back into getting into school gear. And, and that's kind of my time of year too, because uh, I'm, a, I'm a principal and that's, that's when I get going and, and get ready for things. But um, <clears throat> like I said last week, uh, we started this series in First Peter. And one of the next steps that, that Fritz put in front of us uh, was to read through uh, a chapter a day. So there are five chapters in First Peter, and, and uh, if we do a chapter a day, you know, we've got uh, five days of the, the week that we can uh, get into the Word. And, and what the point was is trying to develop a, a habit of reading Scripture. Um, I was telling people uh, on my way here today, I use the Bible app to listen to it. Um, and I was able to read through the entire, or I was tra- able to listen through the entire book of First Peter from my drive uh, just outside of Bluffton uh, here today. And so that may be something that, that would be good for you. And so I just wanted to continue to encourage you um, to, to start to develop that. We're going to see today that the word is essential. The Word is what gives us new life. The Word is what allows us to be born again. The Word is what gives us growth. And so I really wanted to make sure that we we make that plug again, just to to use this time, use this series, use this book of 1 Peter to either develop a habit of reading Scripture or to continue to strengthen um, and enhance an already developed habit. Um, And like I said, you can do a chapter a day. It's a pretty short book. You could do the whole whole book. Um, I know people that do that, and they they get through the entire thing every day. You can use uh, the Bible app to listen through as you read, Um, or it could be even better to just kind of like I'm going to chunk this out over the next seven weeks, and I'm really going to take little bits of this, and I'm going to dive in deep. No matter how you do it, I want to make sure uh, that we, we really take time to get into Scripture. Um, one of our values here at Lighthouse Community at Bluffton and in the whole family of churches um, is to be clear about life-transforming truth through Scripture because we truly believe that this is how God reveals himself to us. 
It is through his word that we get to see his character, that we get to learn more about him. And guys, he has given us he has given us his word so that we can read it, we can study it, we can know more about him. That's a good gift. And, and I know that, you know, a lot of us, we have all sorts of tools and we have all sorts of resources to get into that. Um, if you've been at Lighthouse or Bluffton for any amount of time, I hope that's the one thing that you take away. I hope that's the one thing that you really kind of come away with and go, man, these people are serious about Scripture, that is one of the things that we hold most dear, and we want to make sure that we give you guys access uh, to the Word of God every single Sunday when you're here. The Bible is the way in which God reveals himself to us individually and corporately, like I said, and through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, more than 35 men put this book together. And it's pretty awesome when you read through that, and so many different people that came from so many different backgrounds and so many different years and, and you know, uh, decades and things like that. The same theme is throughout the whole Bible. It begins and ends with Jesus Christ. It begins and ends with the word of God. We are made new when we are obedient to the word. That's what we're going to see today. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 22. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It'll be on the screen behind me, um, but if you want to go ahead and open up your Bible or uh, click to there in your phone, um, however you want to do it, uh, we're going to read through that. Starting in verse 22, it says, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the, the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are, a royal, are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. 
Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Before we continue, let us pray. Father, thank you for the truth of Scripture, which brings us new life and cleanses us from sin. We ask this morning for you to transform us supernaturally through the truth of your word. It is only by, gra- by your grace that we are able to be saved by our faith in your son, Jesus. Lord, there are many here this morning craving more of the spiritual milk that is only found in you. Others of us are here seeking fulfillment, not knowing where true fulfillment comes from. We may be looking for, 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 for fulfillment in all sorts of things that only satisfy us for a moment, but then leave us feeling more empty than when we started. Lord, your scripture makes it clear that we all know the truth about God, but that many choose not to worship, choosing to think up our own foolish ideas of what you're like, causing us to worship things that are created instead of the creator himself. Father, I pray that this morning your character is clear through the teaching of your word. I pray that your word, which is living and active, exposes our innermost thoughts and desires and helps us to begin living a life dedicated only to you from this moment forward. Amen. So we just read through a whole lot of scripture. There, that's a big chunk, and, and there's, there's quite a few things that are in there. There's probably a couple things that, that are in there that I'm not going to have time to get to this morning. Um, there are three things that, that really stuck out to me uh, when we think about who we become through obedience to the word and the new identity that we, we gain through that. Uh, the first is that we are born again through obedience to the word. We're going to talk about what that means, uh, especially the word obedience. Number two, it's, it's we start our new spiritual lives as infants. That's going to be a tough truth to kind of grasp because um, looking around the room, none of us in here are actually infants. They're over there. Okay, and so that's kind of hard for us to kind of grasp in our minds that I have to start all the way over again. And number three, as we grow, God gives us a new identity. So the first truth that I just said is that we are born again through obedience to the word. And I feel that this is really spoken in 1 Peter verses, or chapter 1, verse 23. Peter is clear from the outset of this section of Scripture, starting in verse 22 and then into verse 23, that our cleansing, comes, our cleansing of sin comes from our, our obedience to the truth. When we use the word obedience here, um, sometimes that can, that can have a, a weird connotation, but what he's talking about here is belief. When we believe the word and what it tells us, um, that is where we get our cleansing of, uh, of sin. It is showing submission to another's authority. That's what obedience means. When we show obedience to the word, we are submitting to its authority. Biblically, obedience is hearing the word of God and acting on it. In essence, obedience is the proof of what we believe. It's really easy to claim belief. It's hard to live a life of obedience. In this passage specifically, Peter is referring to obedience in the words that Jesus spoke and the apostles like Peter echoed. For example, 
John 3.16 says this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. We are cleansed from our sin when we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. As a result of this cleansing, Peter says this in verse 23, For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever, because it comes from the eternal living word of God. Obedience to the truth results in our being reborn. This new life is not like the one that we started with. Some of your translations refer to the perishable and imperishable seeds, painting the picture of how we are conceived through our earthly fathers and mothers, as opposed to how we are conceived spiritually. When we obey the truth, we are born again to a life that lasts for eternity. Peter was not the first person to come up with this idea of being born again. He's echoing the the words of of Jesus from John 3, when Christ secretly met with Nicodemus, the Jewish leader. During his conversation, he said things like this. Chapter 3, verse 3 from the book of John. I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 6, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Verses 14 and 15, the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Verse 18, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. It is obedience to truths like this, that Jesus is the son of God that sets us apart for a new eternal life. Peter further illustrates the contrast of our earthly lives to our eternal lives by quoting from Isaiah 40, verses 6 and 8, reminding us that we are like grass and that flowers fade. In the grand scheme of eternity, our lives here are short, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Through obedience to the word, we too can remain forever. Truth number two. We start our spiritual lives as infants. Peter continues to to remind his audience that the next step of after birth is infancy. Our obedience to the word results in being born again spiritually. Then, just like our original birth, we become newborns. We become infants. This is weird because exactly zero spiritual infants are literally infants. It's not possible. They can't, they can't make the decision for themselves and they can't comprehend. You have to be a little bit older. Those of us, uh, you know, even when we were young at our, our time of salvation, still not an infant. But um, this is important for us to hear. Just like Nicodemus, it was hard for him to understand this and, and comprehend, like, what, what are you talking about? I think Fritz talked about this last week, too, of just like, what does that mean to be born again? Uh, it's kind of a weird thing. It's kind of a gross thing. I don't want to talk about how that all works. Um, don't really explain all of that to me. But what this is referring to is we have to go back through the process of growth. We have to go back through the process of maturity. 
Growth and maturing is hard. Sometimes it hurts. I can remember, you know, growing up and like my knees would hurt, my elbows would hurt. My mom was like, oh, you're just, you're just growing pain. It's like, growing sucks, mom. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, luckily, I didn't stop growing and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> the other thing is it's awkward and it's humbling and it can be embarrassing. Anybody who's got teenagers at home, they, they know that awkward stage, okay? Um, that, that's the, something that happens too. And for most of us who have gone through that physically, uh, the thought of going back through that spiritually is probably not something that we're like super excited about and, and wanting to, to jump back at. This is inevitably hardest for those of us who have made something of our lives. If we have come to any sort of success, any sort of um, you know, stature or status on our own, um, the idea of starting over is not something that we are really jumping at the, the, the opportunity to do. But if we take a second to think about it, um, the idea that we are born again into infancy makes a whole lot of sense. Nothing is born ready to roll. I looked this up biologically. I'm not going to get into all this, but there, there's two different types of, you know, like birds especially, and some birds are like, they're a little bit more ready to roll than others. But most things, especially mammals, which that's what we are, um, we are born and we are completely dependent. We have to have something that takes care of us. Something has to be there to make sure that we don't die. First Peter 2 Verses 2 and 3 says, Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. As spiritual infants, it is the pure spiritual milk that we must crave in order to grow. Literally, we must desire with great intensity the spiritual milk. And that spiritual milk is the word of the Lord. Notice that chapter 2 starts with the word so. This reminds us that I'm continuing the thought that I just finished up in chapter 1. And honestly, when he wrote it, there was no chapter 1. There was no chapter 2. That's on us. Okay? So when he, when he does this, he's just kind of going from one sentence right into the next and so when he's talking about the idea of being born again through obedience to the good news, and this good news is the word of God, that flows right into what the spiritual milk is that causes our growth. To really hammer this point home, the word for spiritual, uh, the, the, weird, the word for spiritual here is the, the Greek word logos. Some of you may be uh, familiar with that word, and, and for some of us, that may be a new word. Um, it's actually kind of getting some traction. It's kind of interesting. It's getting some more traction in the mainstream um, just because of uh, some people that, that are really kind of diving in uh, to this idea of, of God's word. And, and they're not necessarily believers. I think they're trying to disprove um, the idea of God. But when they get into it, um, they realize that God does exist. Because like I said earlier, from beginning of the end to the Bible, it's all the same story. How is that possible when you've got 35 different people that are writing a book and they're all talking about the same thing and it all points to the same thing? But the Logos is, is talking about pure, ordered force behind creation. That force is God's word. And scripture tells us that God's word 
is made in flesh through Jesus. It's important to understand that we are not born again uh, in, as spiritual infants to stay that way. We must crave this pure spiritual milk of the word in order to grow. We're incapable of growing on our own, and it's only through the word that we can experience growth. The phrase that, that, that is used in this passage actually is a passive phrase, like the growth is not something we do. The growth is something that is done to us, and I think that's important to understand. It is also important to understand the, kind of the, the dichotomy between some different passages, because some of you may be thinking, like, there's verses in the Bible that tell us, like, being an infant is bad, right? First um, Corinthians, Paul talks about that in chapter 13 and chapter 14. It reminds us not to remain immature infants, not to continue to, uh, you know, need the milk, but to, to grow up into the solid food. Um, but what he's talking about here is, is not being, that infants is being bad um, in all senses of the word. I think there, there's an idea that we're supposed to be infants to evil things, like Peter's talking about here. But at the same time, we're supposed to mature. We're supposed to grow up. And we're supposed to uh, become more, uh, more solid believers. Ver, uh, truth three. As we grow, God gives us a new identity. Peter closes this passage of scripture, um, and we're going to skip all the way to the last verse there, with a third reminder that we are living as new people by referring to a passage from the book of Hosea. First Peter 2.10 says this, Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. The book of Hosea is a powerful illustration of how the people of Israel turned their back on God. Time and time again, instead of choosing God, they chose idols. And instead of being uh, God's chosen people, they lost that identity and kind of gave them up to it. God would show them no mercy and that their identity as God's chosen people had been given away. But God would redeem them. God would redeem his people, the children of Israel, and they would become like the sand of the sea, including both Gentile and Jewish believers. They didn't know that at the time, but that's what God was speaking to. And like I said, the, the book of Hosea is a powerful image of, of a prophet that is told to go and marry a prostitute. And even though she continues to go back to that lifestyle, Hosea time and time again is faithful to her. Hosea is showing us how God is faithful to us, even when we turn our back on God. Hosea 3 is a, is a super, super powerful story, an image. And, and if you uh, get a chance to read through that this week, I encourage you to do so. The most exciting part, guys, is that today is the day that God is talking about in that book. Today is the day that his, his children outnumber the sand in the seas. Gentile and Jewish believers have the same opportunity to come to faith in Jesus Christ through God's mercy and through his grace. We get to enjoy that identity that he's speaking of in Hosea. The Apostle Paul speaks of this truth as well in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. 
The result of genuine faith is that we become a new creation. The old life passes away. The new life comes and takes its place. Peter sprinkles the outward signs of this new creation through this passage. The very first is love, and it shows up in in verse 22. It says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Passages like John 13, 35 and John 17, 20 through, through 23 show us that God has given the world permission to judge the sincerity of our faith on the basis of how we love one another. And that love is, is of brothers and sisters in the church. The way believers love one another is how the world will judge whether or not we have sincere faith. So the question is, when the world looks at the church, and, and we can just kind of focus in on our specifically, will it see a sincere love that transcends age, race, gender, socioeconomic status, you name it? There's a tendency for new churches to attempt to attract certain subgroups. They, they think that like attracts like. And, and I can remember when we were starting up at Bluffton, uh, that was one of the questions that came up, like, who, who's our subgroup? Who are we going after? Are we going after the college kids? Are we going after, uh, there's, there's a couple, like, nursing homes in Bluffton. Like, who's our subgroup? And the answer was yes. The answer was yes. And people didn't know how to answer that or, like, respond to that. We're not going after subgroups. We're going after people who want to know and love the Son of God. They want to know and experience the creator of the universe. And guys, it's been fun to watch how the congregations at Lighthouse and Bluffton have built. And when you look around, you've got young families, you've got, you know, college kids, you've got old, older people who have, you know, been going to church their entire lives. You've got all sorts of people. One of the, the things that I always think about too, my first experience with this, of this was in Houston. We walk into a church and I don't know anybody and there's a, there's a guy there that, uh, that if I looked at him and, and I judged him based on his appearance, uh, and he looked at me and judged me based on my appearance, we didn't belong together. Like a Mutt and Jeff type of situation. Uh, he's, he's artistic and creative and talented. I'm me. Um, so, like, I'm none of those things. But that, that guy is my best friend. The one thing we had in common was Jesus Christ. And man, that glue bound us together to the point where I live 20 hours from him and I will take videos of myself and send it to him just to talk to him. Um, Like we use Marco Polo. I don't use Marco Polo for anybody, but I do for Titian because Titian's my man. The second outward sign is to get rid of all evil behavior. Chapter two, verse one says this, get rid of all evil behavior Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. As I studied this week, I ran across a resource that pointed out that all of these evil behaviors that he's talking about are relationship killers. So we were just told to to love one another, love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he reminds us that we have got to get rid of all the behaviors that would kill those types of relationships. Get rid of all the behaviors that would, that would show the world that we don't actually love one another. Nothing kills a friendship 
a marriage, a family like deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. When we are made new in Christ, we are called to love in a way that the world cannot explain or understand. The third outward sign is our craving for Scripture. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Like I said at the beginning, Scripture is at the heart of everything that we do in our family of churches. If we are to call ourselves followers of Christ, we must crave him. We must crave the word of God. If we're never in the word, our relationship will be weak and will remain immature. Now, don't hear me saying that you can't be a Christian if you don't spend X amount of minutes, hours, days, blah, blah, blah in the word. Okay, this isn't like a, there's, there's a structure to it and a system to it, Okay. But I think a lot of us in here know what that craving feels like. There are days where you, you didn't get to it. And you have that deep sense in your heart like, I missed something today. There are days where you do get to it, and you feel that satisfaction and that fulfillment that can only come through the word. Okay? We have cravings for all sorts of things. And one of the things that, that I read is that sometimes we fill ourselves up with the cravings for everything else. And it takes away and it, it detracts from our time and in our craving for what, re- what we really need, which is the pure spiritual milk of the scriptures. The interesting thing is that a healthy dose of scripture will fill us with love and help us get rid of all evil behavior. It's the word that helps us do the things that Peter's reminding us to do. Love one another and avoid evil behavior. I can't do either one of those two things without filling myself with the word. It's obedience to the word that cleanses, of, cleanses us of sin. I want to end with this, this passage, 1 Peter 2.6. It says, As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Peter is quoting from the prophet Isaiah here, who is foretelling how Jesus will be given to us as the cornerstone to which we build our lives. So many of us, believer and unbeliever alike, are trying to build our lives with Jesus as one of the stones. He's a stone that's in that wall somewhere over there. Um, he's, you know, he's a part of my life, and I talk about how much I love him. Um, but he's just another stone in the wall. And instead of, of placing him in the proper place at the cornerstone, we have placed ourselves there. We have placed our spouse there. We have placed our job there. What, you name it. The result is we end up placing all of the burden of holding our lives together on something that was never meant to hold our lives together. Tim Keller has talked about this before, and when we have misplaced loves and misplaced values and misplaced stones in our foundation, we end up crushing those things. The thing that we feel like we're putting at the center of our life that we need to love so much and that we do love so much, we end up destroying because we put way too much weight and way too much responsibility on it. Peter's reminding all of us here 
that it is not our job to hold up our own building. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of stop there because I, I, want, I want everybody to hear that. Because it's obedience to the word. It is Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. He is the thing that holds up our life. He is the thing that holds us all together. Okay. This wasn't actually in my notes, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. And I can't remember what the name of the protein is, but if anybody's ever seen the protein that, uh, that holds all of our molecules together in our body, laminin, there it is. Can you guess what it's shaped like? A cross. When you look in science textbooks, when you look in medical books, the protein is a, a legit cross. And without that protein, all of life would fall apart. Guys, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone that all of life rests on. And, and I don't know a whole lot about building, but I can imagine that cornerstones are probably large. And if you put a large stone in somewhere else other than the corner of a building, it's probably not going to fit, and it's probably going to make all of the other stuff kind of off-center, and it's just going to be weird looking. But when you place it where it's supposed to go, when you place Jesus Christ in the cornerstone, in the foundation wall, where all of the weight is bore, all of the other things kind of fall into place. All of the other things line up exactly how they're supposed to. Guys, that's a truth that, that I need to continue to teach myself and I need to continue to hear because th there are times where my life has Jesus right in the cornerstone where he's supposed to be. And then there's other times where I, I decided, hey, today's the day I'm going to pick up that building and I'm going to move it somewhere else and I'm going to put something else in that spot. It's just stupid and it's weird. I don't know why I do it. But I, I would imagine that I'm not alone. Jesus isn't a stone in the temple that we are building for our lives. He is the stone on which all other stones are placed. God has given us his word, Jesus Christ, as the cornerstone so that we may lean our full trust onto him. I encourage those of you to, to take, kind of take a, a second and just think, is today the day that I need to place Jesus as the cornerstone of my life for the very first time? For some of you, you may be like me and, and you've replaced him with something else along the way and I need to refocus and I need to rebuild my life with him as the stone. As I was reading through this, I came across Psalm 37, which says this, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble they will never fall, for the Lord holds them up by the hand. God, the creator of the universe, delights in every detail of our lives. That's an amazing thing to ponder. Okay? And when we kind of think about what we're learning here today and, and just the idea of being born again and the idea of placing our full trust in Jesus Christ 
having him at the cornerstone of our lives. I think that's something that we've got to kind of remember before we leave here today. Guys, the creator of the world delights in every detail of your life. Nothing that you do, nothing that you're going to go through is something that he won't be there for you. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I encourage you to, to think about that today. Man, I'm stumbling and I'm falling all over the place. Well, maybe it's because you've placed the cornerstone in the wrong spot, right? Maybe it's because you are placing yourself as the cornerstone. I'm going to pray real quick, and and we're going to just kind of take a a minute to to reflect, and we're going to use this question, the same question that we use um, each and every week. Lord, what is it that you're saying to me this morning? Think about that question. As we do, we're going to kind of, Matt's going to come up and he's going to lead us into a time of of prayer. Um, But there was a lot in this passage today. And like I said, I only had, you know, enough time to kind of unpack certain amounts of it. But Lord, what are you saying to me this morning? for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.